Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Niall, over the last week or so, we've seen a few posts on social media saying it's all falling apart in Australia, the zero COVID plan has failed. What is the reality? I know you've had a bit of a crisis, but what is the reality? Yeah, it's all been a little bit triumphant, actually, and in some quarters, um, you know, as if this was sort of some inevitable collapse of the house of cards. But Australia is a massive country, you know, arguably a continent. And what you've got at the moment is you you had sort of all these simultaneous outbreaks happening around the country. And really, the sort of the epicentre of all this is New South Wales, where Sydney is. Mm. And, you know, but, but I think you have to look at that in, in the context of what's going on in the rest of the world. So Sydney are now getting sort of 80 to 110 cases per day. And that's, that's in a population, you know, of 8 million people. Mm. And, you know, I, I think people look at this, this whole idea of that Sydney have had to go into a sort of a version of lockdown again. And I think people are looking at the lockdown through the lens of lockdowns in Europe. So in Europe and the US, when you go into lockdown, it tends to be because things are out of control. In Australia, you go into lockdown when you're worried that things might get out of control. So at the minute, you know, the, the New South Wales and Sydney health system isn't overwhelmed. You, you know, the, 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 there's not the, the, there's not a shortage of oxygen. There's not people lining up and, you know, in hospital corridors. But of course, that's what can happen when you get an explosive wave of COVID. So they've gone into lockdown to try and, and control that. Mm. And, and how long is that lockdown territory. likely to be? I think it's going to be quite a few weeks um, because it's it's just at the early stages at the minute, you know, so it's jumping. Their case numbers are jumping about 20 a day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's probably at the beginning of what we call exponential growth, which is that real sort of explosive growth. Mm. And, um, you know, the incubation period for this thing is about two weeks. You're always working about two weeks behind. So I'll put it to you this way, PJ. I had a trip to Sydney planned for early September and I cancelled it today because I wasn't certain that things would be opened up then, you know. But, mm. I mean, I, I could be wrong, um, mm. but but no, nobody ever really knows. But yeah. what I would say is Sydney has been through this before, and they're very good at dealing with, with these sort of outbreaks, similar to the rest of us. I mean, we, we've had the same in Queensland, and um, we were we were lucky. We have had about 50 cases in the last month, and we, we needed a lockdown of about three days 
but that was all confined to really the big cities, you know, um, Brisbane, the Gold Coast, the Sunshine Coast. Mm. But again, to put things in context, PJ, like I live, I, I live outside the, the, the cities, and I, I live in a town of about sort of three hundred thousand people, and we we haven't been in any form of lockdown in over a year. The, the most I've had to do is I think there were about five days a few months ago where we had to wear masks in the shopping centre mm. and at indoor events, you know. So when people talk about Australia's in lockdown, you know, you, you've got a problem in Sydney, Victoria is doing very well. Western Australia is doing very well. Northern Territory is doing very well. And Queensland is doing very well. So, you know, it, it, I am worried about what's going on in Sydney because a bit like a snowball at the early stage when it's rolling down the hill, it doesn't look massive, but it's getting bigger and bigger. Mm. And that's certainly what's happening in Sydney. But they're they're all over it. They're on top of it. And mm. I, I think, like has happened multiple times before, they'll they'll get on top of it and they'll control it. Is it Delta is the problem? Yeah. yeah. Delta's now everywhere, PJ. And uh, ironically, though, the, um, the the wave in Queensland, or what's been described as, as described as the wave in Queensland, was actually five distinct clusters. And there were four Delta clusters and one Alpha cluster. And Alpha is what people used to know as the old sort of British variant. And actually, the um, the Alpha one is the one that's that's caused us the most problems. So of the sort of 50 cases we've had in the last month, about 35 of them have been alpha, you know, it's been giving us a lot more trouble than, than Delta. But um, I mean, generally speaking, Delta is more contagious, more of a worry. But actually, yeah, it's been interesting. The uh, the recent Queensland experience that uh, alpha has caused us all the sleepless nights. So if I could probe a little bit into your own work Niall, as a public health doctor out there. So you hear of a cluster in your catchment area. What then do you do? So we're utterly relentless. If there's a, I mean, forget a cluster in my catchment area. If there's a case in my catchment area, we'll 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 take that individual and we'll put them into into isolation, and um, we can we can put them into isolation in their own home if we feel that they can't isolate safely. We put them into a sort of a, a government-run hotel quarantine situation. Um, but the the key is we find out every detail of where they've been, and I mean every detail of every place they've been while they were infectious. We then go to all of those locations and we find everyone who was in those locations at the time and we make an assessment. Some of those people we'll put into quarantine, some of those people we'll just test, some of those people we'll just give some advice to, but we will find everyone who's been to those locations. To to give you an example, I think um, in the sort of 50 cases we've had in Queensland, we contacted probably three, four thousand people and, um, you know, did everything from give them some advice to put some of them into quarantine, you know. But the, but the point is that what you do, is you, you look at your case and you think about who could this person have possibly transmitted the virus to and you find all those people. And if they're high risk, then you put them into quarantine. If they're low risk, you test them and give them some advice about looking for symptoms and you let them get on their way. But the big job we have is tracking down all those people. Like we'll go to, if our case was, um, if our case was in a bank, we'll find everyone who was in the bank 
at the same time as them, you know, using check-in data. Because everyone has to check in when they're going into the bank or a service station or a supermarket here, you know. So that's that's the, the big job, but it's very, very effective. Like, you know, you, you'll only pass the virus on to people that you've been in contact with. And if we find everyone you've been in contact with, then we can control the, the um, you know, the, the case before it becomes a cluster. And that's really what we do. And it, it works very well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not to everyone's taste. Some people outside of Australia find it a bit, you know, a bit intrusive. The fact that, um, you know, we, we collect so much data on people going into various premises. But in Australia, it's very it's very popular because we we live with a fairly high degree of freedom, and I think um, people recognise that that's you know that's a fairly unique and lucky position compared yeah. to the rest of the world at the moment. How is vaccination going over there? Because we were talking a couple of weeks ago on the program to a woman who went back after a visit to Ireland, and she was saying she was waiting to get her vaccine, but there was a degree of hesitation. Is there? Yeah, and vaccination is probably the biggest challenge we're facing. So there's a couple of sort of things, I suppose, that that went on here. Um, Initially, um, the European Union actually blocked some of the vaccine coming to Australia. Um, you know, because they they sort of argued, well, you guys don't need it, you know. Which which, I mean, we we, we don't agree with that perspective. We we think we've worked hard to keep our cases low, and we, we deserve the vaccine. But it is what it is. So we we had difficulties with um with with actually getting our hands on on physical vaccine initially. Um, but then there's the other issue, and this has been, you know, for as long as I've been doing outbreaks, this has always been a problem that people who are not at risk you know, in their day-to-day life are not as motivated to get the vaccine. I, I see people at home in Ireland just desperate to see, well, when can I register for a vaccine? In in Australia, that, that, that hasn't necessarily been the case. People, mm. you know, are sort of saying, well, COVID isn't part of my day-to-day life here. If you, if you live in, in White Bay, where I live, you know, we haven't had, a, we haven't had an active case of COVID in months. And, um, you know, so people are not queuing up sort of saying I'm desperate to get a vaccine and um, so th- there's been a bit of a mm. there's been a slow uptake but actually um, the the situation in Sydney um, has, has has changed and actually there's a lot of demand now so um, I, I think adults will be offered a vaccine by the end of the year so we're we're a bit behind mm. um, I suppose where, where Ireland is but by the same token um, you know we're, we're there I suppose because of the successes we've had and I don't think many people would change mm. sort of the, the, the fact that you know if you look at Queensland we, we have a population the same as Ireland and we've, we've had seven deaths you know we've had 5006 Nile by contrast yeah, which must be about twice what 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 our Ireland soldier on the troubles, and you know it's just dreadful to see. And really, to be to be honest with you, from from looking at it from outside in, it's just mind blowing level of death. Death. Let's look a little bit at the situation here at home because I know you do keep in, in contact. Like mm-hmm. where we are at the moment with uh, discussing the reopening of indoor dining, and we have cases six hundred cases a day now at this stage. Like what if if you were running a unit here in Cork? right now what would you be looking for the government to do nothing or go backwards here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, yeah, you see, they've got themselves into the stage where it's sort of, it's almost too late to to go back to where they should have gone, isn't it, you know? I mean, patently, they, they, they should have a long time ago taken the sort of the, you know, the mandatory hotel quarantine for everybody coming in and really the sort of the aggressive suppression of cases. Um, and that, that hasn't happened. Um, and I, I think it will be almost impossible politically for a, a sort of a, a massive change of direction on that front. So I, I think the main thing that Ireland has to do now is be willing to be reactive. And what I'm concerned about in Ireland at the minute is that, you know, I, I keep I keep an eye on things. And, you know, a few weeks ago, you're seeing sort of 300 cases and then 400 and then 500. And, you know, it, it looks like you're getting into that phase of that early exponential growth, mm. which is that potential for explosive growth. And what you do in that situation, tighten things up a little bit until more people are vaccinated mm. and then have another go at loosening things up. But, but by the same token, I, you know, I think you're probably at the stage of vaccination where you need to, you need to be a little bit ambitious at times. But I, I'm just concerned that this could go either way, right? And and I and I think I never trust people who say that they know exactly what's going to happen because we're really into uncharted territory yeah. here. We really are, you know. Now, aiming for September to get everyone vaccinated and opening up your indoor dining, etc. It could all actually go okay. You're definitely going to see an increase in cases. There's no question when you open up indoor dining. But the question is, will you see an increase in hospitalisation and deaths? I mean, you will see a slight increase, but is it a is it an explosive increase or is it something that society can tolerate in exchange for sort of a better quality of life? Mm. And I think that's what that's what you, that's what we don't really know yet. Mm. You see the NEFIT projections. And the difference between their optimistic projections and their pessimistic are massive. And that reflects the fact that there's a huge unknown here. And and the thing is, there's so much more to it than sort of raw data. When you open up dining, it's not a case of a lot of people are trying to say, well, I've looked at the numbers and this is how it looks like it's going to go. It's going to depend on how many people go to restaurants, how many households mix, how many, how people, whether people go when they're sick, you know, or whether they're they're, they're sort of more um, restrained and are willing to say, no, I'm not going to go. I have a runny nose. I'm going to go and get tested. So the point is, 
anything could happen, right? It could go either way. But what you have to be, you, you, the real leadership is not in just saying, well, we're going to open up in the middle of July or the end of July or whatever. It's in being able to say, hang on a minute, this isn't going well. We need to pull back. And from what I see in Ireland, the the, the, the politics of that, like, like if things go wrong, I, 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 I mean, I am not an expert in Irish politics, but it looks like it'll be very, very difficult to pull things back, mm. to, to, to add more restrictions into the mix, because there hasn't been a conversation that says, we're going to try this for a few weeks, we're going to see how it goes, mm. and if it doesn't work, we're going to pull it back. And that's the key. You can do what you want in an outbreak. You can do nearly anything in an outbreak, as long as you just do it for a set period of time and you evaluate it, and you're willing to pull back, mm. you know? We, we also have the uh, complicated situation in, in the UK next Monday. We're looking over going, are you crazy? Are, are they crazy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the problem with this is that in every outbreak in history, one of the biggest determinants of how well you do is how well your closest neighbours do. <laughs> and, um, you, you know, it's unfortunate that for what seems to be political reasons that, you know, the UK government have decided really to just let things go. And look, it, 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 there's, there's a lot of complex modelling and complex discussion to be had. But a good rule of thumb is that when you get a virus that's a new strain and it's early in its evolution, you don't just let it rip. You control it, you know, and you try and live some kind of life with it until you can bash it down to really tiny levels in the community and you can sort of vaccinate it out of existence. Letting a pandemic strain of a virus that evolves reasonably quickly that's just nobody can think that's a good idea hmm. and um yeah that, that that doesn't look great and i i think they know that in britain they've sort of been preparing people for it and um you know this idea that we're going to see our debts in the summer rather than the winter this is you know this is talk that the sort of um doesn't it doesn't have the hallmarks of anybody involved in public health having having much of a say in, in how it all happened it looks very political to me but yeah it's not great news for ireland mm. i'd have to say yeah just focus back on australia again for for a minute and again the irish in australia who we speak to from time to time they tell us well you know what life is good it's grand we're getting on as relatively normal but we feel trapped and and we can't get home to our families and they can't come to us now you just became a new dad six months ago I'm sure there's people that would like to meet the new member of the family do you feel a bit trapped out there? Oh, utterly, PJ. I mean, you know, I, I said last Christmas um, when we were just expecting the little fella, the only thing keeping me going through being stuck here for Christmas is the idea that next Christmas he'll be one and, um, you know, and we'll have a great Christmas at home. And I, I think I sort of finally accepted that we're just not going to be able to um, to get home for Christmas. I, my, I've worked in all corners of the world from Sierra Leone to Somalia to Nepal. And the one agreement I've always had before I've gone anywhere is that I'm allowed leave for Christmas. I really, really value um, having Christmas with the family in Ireland and I miss last Christmas and I've accepted now I'm going to miss this Christmas and that's really hard to take and, you know, but we, we, we talk a lot about this um, at home, me and my wife, you know, and I suppose, um, it, it, you know, it, it's it's probably um, 
you know, there's the swings and roundabouts, but it, it's you do feel trapped. There's no question about it. But mm. we've a big continent that we can travel around uh, at the moment, mm. um, you know, and we. Uh, I suppose with a with a six month old, we have all this freedom of movement, you know. So I don't have to think about next weekend or the week after what what I'm going to do with my wife and my son. You, you know, we we have this free movement, which is which is really um, I, I suppose we're in a very lucky position compared to a lot of people around the world. So you know, it swings around about, mm. and um, you know, there comes a point that you just have to sort of accept it. But yeah, it's a lot of Irish people are over here, as you well know, and pretty much everyone's feeling a, yeah. a little bit over it now you know yeah a little bit over it just to say the very very least mm. where, where do you see it yeah. going now mike ryan said recently this pandemic is nowhere near over but in the context of what you can address do you think you're anywhere near to the end of it and mike ryan is right the um the, the problem is that we're we're actually very close to having all of our adults um vaccinated or at least offered a vaccine in in high income countries and rich countries so by the end of the year you would imagine in most rich countries most adults will have been offered a vaccine the problem is you still have a new pandemic virus just circulating all over poorer regions of the world and probably within the the paediatric, the childhood population of Ireland as well. And and that can bring up its own problems. So I, I think what all you can hope for, isn't it, is that by the by the end of the year, that the people who are going to end up in hospital in big numbers are vaccinated. And, you know, but I but I do worry about sort of um and, and I've tried to be as optimistic as I can about about this whole with this whole pandemic, you know, mm. but but I do worry about the potential for new variants to be generated in countries that just have no access to mm. to the vaccine, and for those new variants to you, you know to be to, to be brought into um, into Ireland and, and Australia. So I, I think the end of the year is probably going to look pretty good for all of us, but there's just always that risk. Once you have a pandemic strain of a virus circulating in large numbers in in big areas of the, of the globe, that's always a cause for concern. So yeah, look, I, I would be optimistic for the likes of Australia and Ireland, but I, as a public health doctor, definitely won't sort of relax until sort of we have vaccination rolled out around the world. And I think we're all going to end up um, having boosters mm. for um, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, as these new variants sort of crop up, and we don't know how long the protection from the vaccine lasts. So this is going to be with us, but I, I think in a more livable way mm. by, by the end of the year, is certainly my hope. Niall, I, I appreciate you taking time out because I know you're really busy at the moment. Uh, stay safe out there and thanks once again for being with us on the programme. You're very welcome, PJ. It's a pleasure. Quartz 96 FM.